welcome to Literary Merit, the show where we tell you what media has value. Spoiler alert, it's all of it. Also, spoiler alert, we'll be discussing spoilers as usual, so here is your warning. I'm Ashley. And I'm Alex. And I'm looking at your face, Alex. We're roommates. Welcome to Literary Merit (laughs) 2.0. Yeah, whatever that means. It's the next point oh. Yeah, we're coming to you live from Alex's bedroom. Not live. This is all pre-recorded. We're not in a closet anymore. Oh, out of the closet, into the bedroom. It's very exciting. Um, Yeah, so things are going to shake up a little bit around here. We're still feeling out exactly how the show is going to be changing, but... The first way in which the show is changing is we've got a new opening segment that we are calling Five Minute Masters, where we each come to you with a, an interesting topic that we have both researched for approximately five minutes in order to share a little learning. Well, and, and the reason we're doing it is because we can't really recap what each other have been doing because we've been doing it all week together already yes we live our lives in conjunction now it's pretty great so instead and besides like i don't know i don't know if anybody out there really cares what we've been up to well and and (laughs) and if we're honest like if we did a recap this week it'd be like oh we went to ikea together oh i'm sick obviously yeah you've been quarantined in here for a while So, yeah, we're going to try something new, see how that works. I think it'll be fun for everybody and a little bit more interesting, maybe, too. So And to keep ourselves accountable for actually doing research. Doing our work and maybe, like, keeping up with the podcast in a real way. Yeah. So, um, do you want to start or should I? I will gladly start. I have to cough first. Go ahead. (coughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> so um this week i guess i am doing sort of a mixture of of the old and the new this week i got a new tattoo Woo-hoo. um it is a tattoo of a drawing by louise bourgeois the drawing is titled sante or i think it's just saint spelled fancy saint, maybe is it the french S- way yes yeah, so saint. saint sebastien there you go uh, which is a feminized version of saint sebastian it's beautiful um and yes it's very beautiful it's healing and it has that like second skin plastic on it right now so it's kind of ugly but once it once it's all healed it'll look beautiful um but i wanted to talk about the sort of the symbolism behind the piece uh, because it's on my body and also i was obsessed enough with it to put it on my body so basically um louise bourgeois um, was concurrent with the abstract expressionist art movement, which is sort of like the 50s through 80s-ish. It's less of a time period, more of a style. Um, but she was a lot more interested in feminist work um, and psychological work. And uh, the series that she drew and did prints of uh, Saint Sebastian, or Sante Sebastien, uh, Saint Sebastien, I'm really <laughs> bad at French, um, was her imagining herself as um, as the martyr Saint Sebastian um, with no head, often no head. Mm-hmm. Uh, some versions she has a cat's head. Um, she loved cats. Mm-hmm. Um, or And then a body, a uh, very shapely body, peddled with arrows. And she sort of imagined the arrows as criticisms or insecurities or things that people pointed out um, that really dig into you. Um, and then for my, I I knew all this compounded information about her because I was obsessed with the piece of art, but today I did a little quick five minute masters, um, research on the actual St. Sebastian. Um, and that he, 
is always depicted as dying from being shot with uh, an urchin full of arrows. Well, yeah, that's how all the saints, all the martyrs are depicted. They're just always depicted the way that they die. He didn't die from being shot full of arrows. He survived. Well, that's weird. So, like, Isn't that he crazy? wasn't actually martyred? He was later. Later. Okay, so this is just, like, the prequel to the actual martyr. Oh, yeah, part one. <laughs> but <laughs> the I, pre-martyr. I have to read you the way that they describe... Um, I don't remember exactly who is this, this is quoting, but it is... Um, they shot arrows at him, and the archer shot at him till he was full of arrows as an urchin is full of pricks. Mm. And that is both literal in that an urchin is full of, you know, right, like a, thorns or whatever. Yeah. But also I love the image of just being, like, attacked by penises on all angles. <laughs> Which totally fits with Louise Bourgeois in every single way. Oh, and I'm imagine. sure that was not lost to her. Oh, no, that's a really specific word choice. Right? I mean, even if it's a dated piece of... Uh, text that it's quoting um, actually I think it was uh, yeah I'm not sure uh, didn't go that far in the research right. uh, I just liked the quote um, yeah he didn't die from the arrows he survived and then he showed up on the emperor's doorstep and was like fuck you and the emperor was like okay die again <laughs> but the, the, the emperor was impressed and was like oh okay, cool so it was like a miraculous I didn't die like he should have died and, yeah because somebody, the grace of somebody God, came he... and nursed him back to health uh-huh, uh-huh uh-huh but isn't that incredible yeah that's something especially because literally every piece of artwork of him and a, a like very heavily painted scene too mm-hmm. now i'm fascinated by like the iconography of catholic saints like the the christian martyrs are so, right and so like, bizarre he didn't fucking die yeah yeah well yeah then the stories are all about like and then she picked up her head and was like, deal uh, with it, bitches. Right. Like, <laughs> so, like, the, it's just all very exciting, very yeah. thrilling stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's your degree. Oh, thank you. I feel, your, your master's degree. feel more educated now. <laughs> um, <coughs> oh, man. <laughs> you'll, you'll, be, you'll be better soon. Uh, my story's real different. So... My, uh, recently came across my news feed because it's the kind of person I am. Some, uh, potential new evidence about the Jack the Ripper case. I saw that at work. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting location to hear about Jack the Ripper. It was on the MSN news feed, which is like the Uh main uh site when we, yeah. So I saw this floating around. I was like, whoa, really? Like, for real? DNA evidence about Jack the Ripper? And, like, they're figuring it out? Amazing. Um... So here's the story of that. Okay. So it starts with a silk shawl that was found with the body of Catherine Eddowes, um, who was killed on September 30th, 1888. Uh, She was the Ripper's fourth victim. Now, Sergeant um, Aaron Simpson, I think was his name. Sergeant Simpson. I think it was Aaron Simpson. He uh, supposedly took the shawl from the crime scene because it was 1888 and nobody gave a fuck about police procedure or even knew a damn thing about it. So he just took it as a souvenir. Uh, I mean, what are they going to do with it? It's 1888. Uh, (laughs) Audience, I rolled my eyes. (laughs) And uh, he, he was passed down in his family until 2007 when it was purchased by a man named Russell Edwards, who made it available 
two researchers to like look at what a lovely family heirloom i mean it's pretty cool i would like that i know but like oh yeah that's just the scarf we stole from a dead woman who was (laughs) killed by the most famous serial killer of all time yeah i'm into it (laughs) so um researchers uh located the descendants of uh eddowes of, of catherine eddowes and um Aaron Kaminsky, who was a Polish barber, who was one of the sort of primary suspects. Um, and they looked at the mitochondrial DNA on the shawl, and they found that the DNA did provide a match for descendants of both parties. But. <laughs> but I'm guessing that's a wide group of people. Well, here's the thing. First of all, there is no evidence that the shawl actually belonged to Eddowes. Um, oh, okay. Uh, so Sergeant Simpson worked for Scotland Yard and had no jurisdiction over the, the Ripper case because it was the London police that were actually handling that case. Moreover, uh, he didn't even patrol in the area where Eddowes was murdered, so he actually had no reason to even be at the crime scene. So what if he's Jack the Ripper then? Well, I think maybe this is just a bullshit story. Oh. I don't think this shawl is authentic. There, mm. So there's just the provenance of this scarf is really dubious. Like, there's really no proof that oh, this... Oh, yeah. Antiques Roadshow would be like, no thanks. Yeah, there's no proof that this belonged to her or was even at the crime scene. Um, let alone had the Ripper's DNA on it. Um, so... There was also, like, eyewitness testimony, so they said, like, oh, yeah, the mitochondrial DNA for the the person who would be the Ripper um, had, you know, brown hair and brown eyes, and some eyewitness testimony said that there was a man and a woman talking earlier in the evening at the location where she was found dead. Um, But, like, this is one person in 1888 being like, yeah, I saw a dude with brown hair and brown eyes talking to a lady right there earlier. Like, what? That's nothing. That's nothing. That's not anything. Um, so that, it, that's just, that's not evidence of anything at all. I think it's just so, I don't think this is a cold case that can really No, we're never going to know. This is insane. Like, until we have some crazy technology that we can't even conceive of right now, this is not, we're not in a place where that case is going to be solved. But, but just icing on the cake... That shawl has been contaminated by so many people over the years. This has been passed down in a family. Like, this hasn't been sealed up in some kind of evidence locker. This is just an item that people owned. Um, and the, the descendants of Eddowes and Kaminsky both were in the room with the shawl before they did the testing. Which means they themselves very likely contaminated it. So even if they did find matching DNA, they might have put it there themselves. Yeah. Um, Probably because they're like, wouldn't it be cool if our like great 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 grandfather was Jack the Ripper? Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting story, and I, I mean, just bad science all around. The researchers were super vague on how the analysis was done, which is not the way you do science. Like, you really want to make your experiments replicatable. Yeah. Like, that's how you do science, and so they're just—it's bad. It was a bad report. Also, um, now I don't quite understand this because I don't know anything about mitochondrial DNA, but apparently they looked at a maternal descendant of Kaminsky, but men can't pass on mitochondrial DNA 
So apparently this was like, this is kind of stupid to even have, like, it doesn't really make sense that they would even do this. Or could. Yes. So I don't, I don't know. Apparently that's a problem. Um, and they looked at low resolution segments of DNA, which could potentially point, match like thousands of people. Right. Like thousands of so people. so long ago. Yeah. And, and not just that, but it's like, it's like a partial fingerprint uh. where it's like, well, yeah. But so many people have that DNA segment. Like, we're not 100% yeah, unique. Yeah, is, is that the same strain of DNA we share with bananas? Right, yeah. So it's like, it's just not... So, sorry guys. It's nothing. It's right. nothing. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so, now you know more about mitochondrial DNA and Jack the Ripper. Maybe less about Jack the Ripper and more about <laughs> mitochondrial DNA. You know how much we know about Jack the Ripper. Okay, well... We're going to talk about something maybe more fun than Jack the Ripper, if there is anything more fun than Jack the Ripper. Not to me, but... Um, so, the other day... <laughs> yes, while we were in the process of moving, yeah, my, my room had the, was the only room with furniture in it. Yes, and we were hanging out, you were putting stuff on your shelves, and you are like, I'm going to put on Beautiful Creatures, because you haven't seen it. I had not seen it, and I don't know why because i loved it it's absurd (laughs) that so few people and honestly i feel like more people have seen it than than would admit it because nobody (laughs) talks about it yeah like it just came and went and like it deserves so much more attention than it got but now do you know what year that film was released let's research in real time yeah because i i remember it was when we were in college that it came out um 2013 2013 so it was yeah yeah last last year of college and um i was like oh that looks kind of interesting i'm probably not gonna see it though and i did (laughs) i didn't and i feel like that's kind of how a lot of people were they were either like and i don't think it was marketed well because no. I don't remember ever seeing a trailer for it. I don't... I remember seeing the poster. Yeah, I don't remember if I did or not. I think or if I there probably... was a trailer, it didn't show the phenomenal cast off. Great cast. Great cast in this movie. Um, but I think part of it, and, it, and it's part of what we want to talk about today, is that was when the real decline of that sort of genre was yeah. happening mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I mean this is based on a YA novel which is very much in the lineage of Twilight. Yes, yes, yes. And by 2013 that they was were like losing not cool steam anymore. Right, and we were in the era of the Hunger Games. Yes. Um so but I'm really fascinated by this sort of dichotomy of the like YA lit that that kind of happens between Twilight and Hunger Games as the sort of archetypal example of those categories. Yeah, well, and like, um, we're gonna probably quote um, our viewings of uh, Deep Dive on Film Joy, mm-hmm. uh, where they deep dived into <laughs> deep dove, deep dove um, uh, into. Twilight, the first film. Yeah, it's the most recent episode of Deep Dive. It's it's great. It's, it's great. And it will make you feel better as a viewer. Because honestly, I don't think anyone really hated that movie. I think they were pressured to, to hate it. I mean, yeah, that, that was the thing that was happening. Either you were like, 
I love Twilight. I love Twilight. Or I hate Twilight. It's the worst thing. Or or the like stereotypical like it wasn't like the book. Like, right. No, it was it was more right. of a film but, project. But you yeah, generally, you know, there were the camps of either the diehard yeah. Twilight fans or the Twilight haters. Mm-hmm. And that really is an unfortunately common response to media that is directed towards teenage girls. Mm-hmm. Especially popular media. Mm-hmm. And that sucks yeah. a lot that that is a tendency, that things that are made for teen girls are automatically terrible. Or worth less than. Yeah, like, know. it's just... And I will say, um, The Hunger Games and its ilk definitely are sort of... I'd say their primary intended audience is still teenage girls. It's got a little bit more sort of... Action. And... Yeah, it's, it's got a little bit more of boy appeal to yeah. it. Um, mm-hmm. But it does still have a female protagonist mm-hmm. and a love triangle. Yeah. It's still got those hallmarks of media directed towards teen girls. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely more of like a an action sort of sci-fi genre it's got killing in it it's got killing well i mean twilight has killing but it's like there are immortal beings that break into granite when they kill them yeah it doesn't killing vampires doesn't count as much as killing 14 year olds that's true (laughs) it doesn't count as much it's not the same thing Mm -hmm. um because especially because twilight really sets up this whole like does any good main character die in twilight uh not to my knowledge now i'm not as correct us if we're wrong but i'm pretty sure all the the stakes were pretty low all the cullens make it and all other vampires are evil so yeah Yeah. uh even though they're like way cooler yeah. The villains. Yeah, well... And Some of their cells are iffy, but... And that just takes us to beautiful creatures, doesn't it? <sighs> oh, the villains! The villains! The villains are... Okay, I want to say they're the only reason to watch this movie. They really aren't, because it's very balanced. There's every reason to watch this movie, including our good, good boy, Alden Ehrenreich. Yes. Um, superstar in the making in this movie. Yeah, it's it's really... Like, his, his career trajectory has me worried, because he does great work in everything, but he's consistently attached to these projects that just don't do as well well like his char- charisma level when he's performing like i don't know him it's in person obviously through the roof just like you're just like i hate how much i like you right now <laughs> i can't cope I with can't... how charming you are very that <laughs> like every time he's on screen i'm just like never stop talking yes never ever like good haircut that fits his face unlike in solo I mean, they had a thing they had to do. They had a thing they had to do. Um, And just, like, the the accent. (laughs) Too much. Oh, my. He did a really good job. It didn't, like, okay, so all of them have southern accents. None of them are from the same place in the south. Yeah, their accents were a little, and I gotta say, like, of all the accents in the movie, Jeremy Irons was kind of a weak point. (laughs) Well, yes. His is very, like, very proper. Well, the thing is, I'm used to British actors doing pretty good American Southern accents. His, he struggled. Like, I was hearing some dialectal oddities there. He just wasn't, sometimes it's just like, Jeremy Irons, you're just being British right now. Yeah. You're just being British right now. Well, half the time you're like, he's not even the character, he's just Jeremy Irons. (laughs) Jeremy Irons. I love Jeremy Irons. He does a great job as being, like, the scary, probably good guy. Yeah. 
You know, I am so curious, because I mentioned to you when we were watching, like, what his character's motivation is, because it's never made entirely clear why he's doing the things he's doing. I mean, it could be anything from, like, despite his sister, or to just really like, what's best for his, what he believes is best for his niece. But, like, he's an evil wizard, so why would he not think that being an evil wizard is a good thing for his niece to be? Like, I don't understand. I don't There's gotta be a reason. It's probably in the book. It's probably the in the book. The movie does not provide that. No. And that's that's fair, because movies are not, you know, mm-hmm. 400 pages. Yeah. No, I'm, there's things that are bound to be lost, but I did I, I did find myself wondering exactly why he was being a good guy. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. But we have to talk yes. about the star of the show. The star of the show. Emmy Rossum is everything. Emmy Rossum. Okay, so <laughs> if you decide to watch this movie, it's available on many streaming services. It's You can watch it for free somehow, I'm oh, sure. Yeah. Like, like, I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix and Amazon and probably Hulu and all of it. They're that. giving this movie away. Yes. and Everybody It's for its betterment, I think, because it's going <laughs> to, you know. Okay, so watch it. Emmy Rossum will not show up till at least halfway through. But, but when she shows up, you will not even... She owns that movie. She... <laughs> okay, I, I'm speechless because it's so I can't. shocking. Well, not shocking even. It's just it's like just, powerful. It's just She so... steals every scene she's in, <laughs> both visually and with her performances. She's so much. Like, she needs to play. She needs to do camp forever. Forever and ever. Amen. Like, yeah. <laughs> I need it. I, I need a do-over of The Favorite with her as one of the characters. Honestly. <laughs> And you haven't seen The Favorite yet, but once you do, you're like, yes. Yeah, no, she's she would she's delightful. rock The Favorite. She's so hot. She's, I mean, but it fits the character. Like, no, I was going to say she's too hot. No, but like, she's it's, exactly it, the right amount of hot. She's a sex witch. <laughs> she's incredible. She's a powerful sex witch. And, and there's a reason behind it, too. Yeah. They show a very small amount of backstory, but you know exactly. It, you know who she is. She just, this character works. As much as I'm a little confused by Jeremy Irons' character, You're not Emmy Rossum is just yeah. there. She's yes. it. Just she's, like lace dress, no underdress. No, yeah, uh, what's she's it called? Barely, she's basically no nude. She's basically nude when she first shows up. And her hair. The hair and everything. She's got like... It's, what is the, that short little, it's like a pixie cut? Like, yeah, I don't even know what to call it. It's, it's like slicked back. It's like, it's like Trinity in the Matrix. Yes. It's like that, that amazing. And then later on it's like curled and like, uh, oh. Oh, she's, she's channeling just every Hollywood sex bomb. Yes. All at once. Yes. She's got different looks for different scenes. Oh. Oh. That finale look where she's in like, she like, okay, so like. <laughs> Emma Thompson's also in this movie. And she kills it. Kills it. But in the finale, Emma Thompson's in like this beautiful like... Southern Belle. Southern Belle purple and gold Yeah, she's 100% like Scarlett O'Hara Beautiful gown. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And then Emmy Rossum's just like dark enchantress gown. And you're like, whoa. With the eyes. Oh, the dark. And her eyes are like amber. Yeah, the witch eyes. Love it, love it. So... Uh, this movie is very good. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy and silly, but it's oh, just... Oh, and can we talk about the side characters? Yeah. What was it, What did we name that his best Hat friend? Boy Hat Boy! Loves the tea! He, oh, okay. So he's like <laughs> the fedora-wearing sidekick. 
He's yeah. not enough in the movie, but it's, I mean, you can't fit him. He's, like, best friend. But he's always, like, around the corner wanting to find out what's happening. He's just always looking for the tea. And oh then he God. has a weird, like, like mind control fling with Emmy Rossum, and uh-huh. I love it. Yeah. Oh, that boy. Uh, yeah, he's very funny. Uh, it's, no, it's, it's great. I mean, um, Viola Davis. Viola Davis. Is in this movie. She's and in this she's movie. she's, like, on, like, turned up to her normal volume like she's not like she's 100 percent here for it yeah and she's got she's like yelling at jeremy irons and you're like yes she's got like a marie laveau thing going on very that um and also like just like helpful and nice she's basically um the main character's dad because he has one but he's never never appears on screen it's insane it's really strange yeah she's just parenting this boy that she's not related to yeah and she's like um also somewhat in the magical universe. She's a, like a seer or something. Yeah, she's like a normal human, but she's got some magical situation. It's yeah. it's vague, but it's not important. And uh, it, it's interesting enough. Yeah. No, but it's it's fine that it's vague. Yeah. It's it's it does its job. Yeah. Uh but yeah, just great performances from everybody. Like just a lot of fun. Like this movie is is just silly and good and cute and romantic and nobody saw it. And it's I, w- I will admit the first third is very, like, oh, new girl in town. All I mean, little... it's like the beginning of Twilight. It is very that. Um, With a little bit of we have always lived in the castle peppered in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The little Shirley Jackson for flavor. <laughs> but then it, like, then there's, like, Beetlejuice yeah. um, set decoration mixed in. Yeah, that- is so much and then it's like uh, it's you've so got much like emma thompson is this church lady who's been possessed by an like evil the witch. evilest witch in the world oh and my gosh yeah i mean so it's just like it's just it's my favorite sort of thing where it's just like it knows what it is and, and it, it does it it owns it and it does it right it's and like even yeah. when it's goofy you're like I don't care. It's on purpose. Yeah. It's camp. Yes. And I love that. I love it. And that's what they were really finding out in that rewatching of Twilight is like the severe awkwardness. That's what. Is intentional. It's, yeah. It's so funny. Hopefully. I mean, and, and I think that it, in the case of Beautiful Creatures, it was just a bad moment for camp. Like, just oh, right yeah. there in the early 2010s, like, nobody, everybody wanted serious. Yeah. Everybody wanted something grounded and dark and serious. Yeah, there's maybe, like, three jokes in all of the Hunger Games. Yeah. And not, not to say anything bad about the right, Hunger Games. Right. I love those films, yeah. and, and the and the books are great. Like, but it, it's, a, it's a different thing, and that's why that took were, over. People were very into, like... The world is ending type of books at that point too. It was all zombies. All zombies, all a bombs, all like. Yeah, I would compare the sort of unfortunate uh, situation around beautiful creatures to my beloved uh, Three Musketeers, twenty eleven. Yeah. Because it's just crazy camp, Mm -hmm. and and it's it's great, and it's. Fun. It's just delightful, and people just weren't in a mode to accept that. Yeah, and I just and th- I feel like 2018, 2019, like we need to find joy where we can get it. Right, we're ready for it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, I mean, and I'll I'll own it. Like I at the time was like 
that Three Musketeers movie looks stupid. Yeah. And then I go watch it a couple of years ago and I'm like, I didn't know. Oh yeah, and then Beautiful and, Creatures, the poster pops up and you're like, oh, there's thorns and it's beastly meets yeah, Twilight. Like, it looks mm. like some nonsense. And one thing I will say that I, I think that, okay, so I I wrote a whole paper about Twilight. So I, I, sh- I can't let myself talk too much about Twilight right now. But I will say like, the, the problems that people have with Twilight, Beautiful Creatures does not do those bad things. Like, yes, it's got an extremely strong but flawed, you know, female lead who, you know, she takes charge and it's her story about learning who she is and making choices for her own deciding life. deciding for herself. And and you know what? She's got a boyfriend who is supportive and understanding, but he's, you know, he's going to hold her accountable for her actions. Like, it's actually a very positive example and of a relationship. And you actually see them interacting they, on dates. They like each other they for like reasons, other. which makes he sense. He doesn't appear in her bedroom <laughs> and look at her while she's sleeping. Yeah, like it, it's a it's a, an example, and it, it's a little unrealistic because I just I kept reminding myself throughout watching this film, like these kids are supposed to be like sixteen, like yeah. no, no, and so in my head they're like nineteen, yeah, and then I can, and then I'm like, I right, this is good, yeah, this is like summer after high school, right? It's super duper a gap year thing happening, uh, but um, but it is like a really great positive example of a romantic relationship and that's so and the important. conflict isn't that they can't be together where there's a little bit of that in like a little bit of like Capulet, you know, you know. And well and it's a little bit of that twilight like no it's dangerous for you to be with me but it's not because like because I really really want to rip your you. throat out yeah, all no. the time it's like I my life is dangerous and you shouldn't be around the people that are around me. It's like, oh, yeah. my because world is Because as soon not- as he meets them, you're awesome. <laughs> she paralyzes him and makes him do things. Yeah, he becomes chauffeur in his track shorts. Oh, yes. It's great. Uh, so, but it's like, it's a fair, like, listen, I love you, but my life is dangerous mm-hmm. for someone like you. And so it's like, okay, fair. Like, this is a, this is, because, you know, lovers who cannot be together, like, that can be fun. And that's there for a little bit of it, but it's not the whole damn movie. Right. And then in the end, they are going to be together. Maybe. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's, yeah, it's a little open-ended, but it's like. Yeah, they're they're on the same page. They still love each other. And I would say for the budget, I mean, I don't know the exact budget of the movie, but like the effects were really good for the year and for the budget. Yeah, they were they were used effectively, I think, with the spinny rooms. So the budget was uh, fifty to sixty million, which I feel like is really low. I am so bad at Marvel's like three hundred million for their movies. That's Disney money. Yeah, I don't even know. I like I have no concept of like movie budgets or what anything costs. But it's uh no, they I think that it, they used their resources really effectively. Well, and it's like a movie about witches and magic, but it's like more about the relationships than it is about the magic. Yeah, and and I kind of like that. You know, I'm a little tired of these like hard magic it. systems mm-hmm. where it's like that's not, I mean, you know, I, I, I like a little consistency. I, I do, as, as much as I enjoy the wizarding world of J.K. Rowling, uh, there are certain things where it's like, this doesn't add up. Like, you've introduced something that, like, 
changes everything and you're just not acknowledging it and that's mm. frustrating but i feel like you know the the magic in beautiful creatures it's is very sort much of, like it's vague enough that it's like yeah you yeah. want something to happen you make it happen but there are limits to your own power yeah and it's like some witches are just better oh, I, at... I can't explain it to the <laughs> viewers because it's a little bit of a spoiler and i really don't want to spoil this movie because it's just so fun but when she uses her full power just like oh makes, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like, it's a big moment mm-hmm. it's a big moment and then emmy rawson's like she shouldn't be able to do that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's great yeah so it's like i i appreciate a nice vague but reasonable magic especially system. in the time allowed like in a in a in a movie in like a not three hour movie you can't like yeah like aragon failed for a lot of reasons lot of but reasons. partially because you can't explain that magic system in a movie yeah it's i mean there's just too much and they tried yeah i'm really curious what they're gonna do with the um with the name of the wind when that hopefully is still being made into a movie or a series or whatever they're making um because it's it's honestly it's the best hard magic system i've ever seen in a fantasy series um, but it's like, you know, there's like whole chapters devoted to explaining how yeah. it works. And the way Pat Rothfuss writes it, it's very engaging and cool. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know how much of that's gonna be able to be translated onto the screen because there's just not time for that. Yeah, and it's very possible that the book does go into detail of how the magic works. But whoever made the film was like, we don't have time for that. We just, witches are just gonna do stuff. Well, and I kind of like, it's interesting because the girl whose name, I don't even know the characters' names in this movie. I, well, that's because it's not important. It's like, not. It's I mean, because they're all so the strong and identifiable that it's like whatever their names are. But the protagonist, I mean, the girl is definitely the protagonist, but we have the boy in there as sort of a POV. She's the, yeah, he's, he's us. To be like, her. what, like, to be the outsider so that we can, you know, the audience surrogate. Yeah. Kind of thing. So that's helpful, but also because he's just like, what is any of this? I don't know anything about magic and I'm terrified. But I'm going to smile the whole time. And he's the cutest. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's an, uh, enough of him being like, wait a second, what? That it's like, okay, I feel grounded. Yeah. But it's like, they're not going to explain how magic works to him. It's not relevant to him. He's not going to do magic. Yeah, exactly. So we don't need to know how it works. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, it's it's interesting though the way that this like just this genre really surged and then completely dropped out of popularity. Yeah, exactly. And I I, I I don't know. I mean, it might have something to do with that majority age group that currently goes to see the movies. I don't know if like that age group that was like really obsessed with that is now, like, in their early 20s, mid-20s, and, like, we want horror movies. We want yeah. Get Out. We want Us. We I want... mean, a lot of the people that were into that, like, paranormal teen romance were, like, housewives, too. That's they were, true. like, 40-year-old moms. Yeah. Um, but I think it is. I think it does have something to do with that um, that early 2010s sort of grim darkness. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got... we the world started getting scarier and <laughs> we were like, we must put away these childish things. Give me the hunger games. Yeah. So, uh, cause like what the book twilight came out in 2006. I don't even know. I think, I think it was 06. I think it was like middle of high that school. That seems for like me. 
not very long ago, but it also seems like a long time ago. I know. It's super weird that this year I will have graduated high school 10 years ago. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's next year for me. No. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Very weird. Very weird. Yeah, we're old. Um, so, I, what's even going on now? Like, with... With that genre? Like, YA really exploded because of I Twilight. I feel like it's fragmented right now. Because we get a lot of, and you, um, oh, you've been talking a lot about um, that movie, I don't remember exactly what it was, like Camelot or last the king oh kid who would be king i feel like we're getting a lot of like um younger young adult middle well because I, I would say if kid, kid who would be king was a book it would be middle grade yeah well i know and i feel like we're getting a little bit more of that segmentation because the ya in, boom is dying I well think. well when we had the ya boom it was like ya is a big huge block rather than you know, mm-hmm. these well, and the thing is, like, age groups. YA isn't a genre. genre. Exactly. It's not a genre. It's not a genre. It's an age demographic. Exactly. Like, but, like, what? What are some books that have come out? Like, it's funny. It might just be that we're not. That we're out of touch. Anymore, yeah. yeah. Like, if you went into a high school right now, you might be able to find out what the hot book is with the teens. But like, we're not the teens anymore, no. and that's okay. You know, and, like, I never really was that into YA. Like, I did not read Twilight at the time. I only read it in college. I couldn't finish the whole series. I I tried. I read the first two books, and it was strictly for academic purposes. (laughs) I think I got to the beginning of the third, and I was like, uh... Yeah. Well, and it's so funny. Do you realize that you and I met... In a YA lit class. Yes, that is true. A, <laughs> YA cl- a YA lit class that I only read the book that we did our presentation on. I and would, I only yeah. suggested that we do a presentation on it because I had already read it. Right. But it was a delightful book and I'm so happy that you brought it into my life. Um, for listeners, it is One Bloody Thing After Another by Joey Camo. It's short. It's delightful. It's spooky. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Like, yeah, I was completely unfamiliar with almost everything that was on the syllabus. I was like, is this YA? I don't, I don't know. Well, because, like, yeah, as a kid, I just read sort of weird stuff that nobody else was reading. Novels about, like, kids who go to ancient Egypt and stuff. Uh, But, like, as a teen, I was just really pretentious, and I had to read grown-up books. Like, in eighth grade, we had to pick... like a free reading book and there was like lists of like it was like you can read like one book from this list or two books from this list you just had to add up to a certain number of points and I was like you know what I'm reading the scarlet letter I am 13 I didn't understand this book at all but that was the kind of teen I was and so I just I've been I've been a YA outsider just forever I think what I was saying about like at least YA books being turned into into movies, it's a little bit more of like, this is this kind of movie for this age group. Um, and I think it's also like, maybe it's just not that, not as popular in the literary scene anymore. Um, because, yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. But, um, like, they're finally making an Artemis Fowl movie. I gotta say, I'm really stoked. That is one that I did read and I really enjoyed it. I loved Artemis Fowl. 
I don't know what they're going to do with it. It's been long enough that I don't remember what the hell happened in the books. I know. So it's I'll like, be okay with whatever yeah, they decide. Yeah, it's like some kind of boy genius billionaire. He's like boy Batman, and then there's fairies, but they're like techno fairies. He's not fairies. Batman. He's more like boy the penguin. He's kind sure, of a douche. Sure, But I just mean he's this wealthy orphan who can yeah. just do whatever he wants. He's, and he's not an super... orphan. His mom's still alive. Is she? I remember She's him being... bedridden. Okay, so, I mean, he's basic. Yeah. He's a parentless child yeah, with yeah. unlimited resources. He's a scallion. Yeah, that Artemis. And then there's fairies, and they've got, like... Technology. Rocket ships, yeah. That's cool. No, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm always down for more fairy media. But that's definitely, like, the younger end of YA. Mm-hmm. Because, like... He's like 10 or 11 or 12. Yeah, he's like a middle school age. But, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if it's YA or if it's middle grade at that point. I don't, it's, I don't it know. It kind of walks but, the line. But I feel like we're finally conversing about, like, the age range of things. Right. It seems like for a hot minute there, YA was just the default. Like, it was just like, books are YA now. That's what anybody... And it's like... Because it was selling. Mm-hmm. But, and I, and I wonder if sort of the the first nail in the coffin was Game of Thrones. Mm. I mean, those books have been, you know, around for many, many years, but with the show, people are like, oh, this is not YA. This is an adult book series. Maybe we're into adult book series, but they can be genre. You know, it's like we like, we still are really into our genre stuff. That's a great point because now everything's like, here's a series on a streaming channel that's violent, but everybody loves it. Right. You've got, um, what's the cowboy one? <laughs> oh, yes. Um, I didn't watch much of it. I didn't watch any of it, but that one got really big. What yeah. <laughs> the cowboy one? The cowboy cyborg one. Why can't I think of what it was called? Westworld. Westworld. Thank you. And that was a, that was a remake of mm. an older thing. But, yeah, I mean, you know, you've got The Walking Dead, which is a little older now, but, like, these violent, grown-up genre pieces where it's like, oh, we can still have all of the crazy, magical fun of the YA series, but we can also have decapitations and boobs. That's what, that's what the people want. Well, and it's not gonna, like, the rating on the corner of the screen's not gonna stop a teenager from watching it. Especially not on Netflix. Right, when their parent doesn't have control really over what they yeah, watch. Yeah, unless you put on those parental controls. Which you're... nobody knows how to do that. Yeah, no. When, when has that, that ever happened? Unless you're like a total helicopter parent. Yeah, in which case your kid's not even going to dream of watching those in the house. Yeah, no. They're going <laughs> to go to their friend's They're going to dream of getting out from under your umbrella. <laughs> but yeah, it kind of seems like that's sort of what's supplanted it, I think. Um, and I'm down. At least in the conversation about about what's going like in pop culture. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm really. Um, and also, Marvel might have killed it a bit too because everything is everybody like now. that's the blockbuster to go see, not like the new Hunger Games and the new Twilight. It's it's, you now, go see it's the all next superheroes Marvel. all the yeah. time. Yeah, and then DC is like also also us please. Also, here's a really dirty DVD. Do you want to watch it? <laughs> it's just got mud all over it, but we like you it. Can have it. You can. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, apparently Aquaman was pretty good, but I didn't see it. I mean, it looked a little muddy to me. (laughs) Yeah, well, apparently Jason Momoa secretly has no screen presence, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah. Fun to hear. Yeah, apparently in Justice League, he was just like, avoid. I don't know. It's like, he was pretty good on Game of Thrones, but... It's like, just do 
The Flash. Even though it's already a show, we want more of what's-his-face. Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller. Yeah, he's a, he's a good one. What's their face? I don't remember. Yeah, I'm not sure what pronouns Ezra's using. I think they might have changed them to they them recently. Very possibly. I'm not I'm not up to date. But I mean but speaking of like King Killer Chronicles of of Name of the Wind, like I really do hope that we get more of the like adult fantasy stuff yeah. because it's better. Well, I think, I think the next <laughs> the thing on the docket that. that I heard about was Earthsea. They're going to do an Earthsea series, I believe. Oh, God, I hope they do it justice. Um, at least I had heard about that. And then there's lots of... I mean, yeah, and, Amazon and, and, and HBO are going to be fighting for the next Game of Thrones, you know? Yeah, they're they're looking for it. Because once um, Game of Thrones is gone, it's like, who the fuck knows what's going to go on? Yeah. And, like, there, for a second... MTV was trying to do it with um, Shannara. Shannara Chronicles. Which is available to stream on Netflix. I liked the first season. Immediately after season two starts, you're like, is this the same show? See, I watched the first few episodes and I just couldn't get into it. I had a lot of tonal whiplash yeah, from it. Yeah, it goes a lot, a lot. It's well, and like... it, it just felt so teenagery. Yeah. Where... Season two is a little bit more lesbian and less teenagery. Okay, well that's At least, always I've only seen the first like three episodes of season three and then I was like, eh, or season two and I was like, eh. Yeah, it just felt, it felt like a CW show. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't what I was looking for. Well, maybe the magicians will become the new, <laughs> the new, uh, the new Game of Thrones. The new Game of Thrones. I mean, it's, 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 it's possible. Sci-fi yeah. could use a win. <laughs> I mean, they're already, it's already doing really well, so. Yeah. It's been going for long enough. Well, it's a little out there at this point. I don't know if it's very uh, approachable unless you start from square one. Yeah, those kinds of shows tend to get that way where it's just like... Yeah, once there's multiple timelines, things get a little messy. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little like... um... Once upon a time, oh, where it's just like, uh, yeah. you know, you don't, you're watching it, and you don't realize how insane it's got until you try to show somebody something from like season six, and they're like, "What?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, so that's um, Rumpelstiltskin. Now he's also uh, that boy's grandpa, and he's a croc. He's also the crocodile. Now Captain Hook. He is <laughs> like." What is anything anymore? Like it just really got out of hand. Mm-hmm. I stopped. I stopped watching it when it got bad. When it got to the frozen season, it was just terrible writing. Just terrible writing. Apparently, it got better again, but I don't care. I mean, good for. That's just a long way to go to to then get back on the train after you get off the train. Yeah, it'd be it'd be a slog to get back in. But uh, what I really hope that they do. Is more Hannibal. <laughs> That's what the world needs. It's what we need. I, uh, audience, I'm not laughing. I would be laughing, but it hurts and makes me cough. So oh. I'm just smiling. I promise he's got a delighted grin. <laughs> if pained. <laughs> no, I, I love, I love it, and they want to bring it back, and I want them to bring it back. That's the kind of television the world needs. <laughs> People people eating, eating people people that suck yes yes now my uh, my brother Dylan has been watching through it because um, he had only watched like season one and like half of season two and so he like called me yesterday he called me last night like Ashley <laughs> I watched the second to last episode of season two oh my god <laughs> I'm like yeah I know it's good stuff mm-hmm. 
It's good. Well, since we're starting to trail off, is there anything else you had to say about our little topic? <sighs> yeah, I don't think so. I think, uh... Well, this is definitely one that we definitely, if you're listening at all, anyone, we'd love feedback on this one because yeah. everybody has an opinion about this genre of, like, you know, teen... I mean, it's teen movies in the 20-teens. Yeah. Yeah, really odd time for, for cinema, I think, was mm-hmm. like right around 2012, 2013. Yeah, the awkward stage. It was a really awkward time, I think, for movies, but... Uh, so yeah, watch Beautiful Creatures, tell us how much you love it. Write if you a didn't book love report. It. If you didn't love it, like, we need reasons, because we didn't see it. Yeah, anymore. you need to explain to us. Have your mom watch it, she'll love it. I promise. Like, my mom, I've watched it with my mom probably three times. Every time it's on HBO, we'll just be like, oh! Yeah, I bet my mom would love it very much. We used to watch Once Upon a Time together, though, so. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just an odd sort of a, that was a, that was a real moment of, of shift, I think, in sort of popular genres, and it was a, it's a weird time. A weird, weird time, and unfortunately, Beautiful Creatures was a casualty of that. Right. It was a failure at the box office. Says so right on the Wikipedia page. Wikipedia would know. Right? Well, in that case, do you have a recommendation? Um, I'll just say what I've been sort of enjoying, especially since I've been quarantined. Yeah. I've been bedridden for the last two days. I don't think I saw you once yesterday. Yesterday, I literally only left my bedroom only left my bed to go pick up a pizza at the door because I didn't have the energy to make anything. And then I ate the pizza in my bed. Right, and I will I will put in there that I was a good roommate and did offer to bring something home, yes. but you had already gotten I had, pizza. I just, I didn't have food until like 3 p.m. But when you're sick, you just sometimes yeah. can't eat. But anyway, what's been consoling me <laughs> is binge watching uh, uh, Difficult People on Hulu. So that's uh, Billy Eichner. Billy Eichner, so and then funny. I don't know her name. I'm bad. But with she's names. delightful too. She. I mean, I watch it because of him because I like him a lot, and I came to it because of him. She, she's great. They have great chemistry. Mm-hmm. I was describing it earlier as something that makes me smile really big, but I'm not like cackling like um it's a comfortable watch it's a comfortable watch and the reason i'm not i'm not i'm not not cack i'm bleh. i'm not cack i'm not not cackling <laughs> because it's not funny but because i don't know it's just not that tone it's not like here's a big punchline after three minutes it's like no it's like constant 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 mm-hmm. constant and i'm appreciating that because if i laugh i start coughing mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. and it's just i mean it's a little mean but, I mean, it's a guilty... Pl- I mean, it's That's a guilty pleasure. No guilty pleasures, Alex. I know there's no Own guilty it. pleasures. It's, but it's... It's just a little... It's a pleasure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little raunchy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little raunchy. little raunchy, a little mean, but... But not... Oh, very mean. <laughs> but not, like, super malicious. And, just it, and it's little... very self-aware. Like, the show's called Difficult People because they're bad people. Right. The show's fully aware, like, this is mean. Yeah. Like, we're we're aware that it's... This yeah. is we're being extremely rude right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but sometimes you just gotta be. Yeah. Um, I just discovered a YouTube channel that needs way more attention because this guy does great work, much better work than I do. <laughs> he this so the channel is called Nightmare Masterclass. 
And he does extremely academic analyses of mostly sort of spooky stuff. Um, now, it's interesting because he's it's not that, like, his content's not spooky, um, it, except for the fact that he is discussing spooky media. Um, now, his most recent video is, I think, a great example of what he does. Um, it is a discussion of the web series Salad Fingers mm -hmm. and the sort of internet fan theory machine. And this guy is so smart. Like, he's not just like, and these are theories and here's what I think of them. He's talking about, like, the mechanism of fan theory wow. and how it creates a certain culture on the internet and shapes the way that media is consumed and sort of the relationship between that and the creator and whether what the creator says matters. And it's just like, it's so smart. It's... Um, at times, too smart for me. Yeah. Uh -huh. Which is great. I oh, love it. Oh, I love it. being challenged. Yeah, it's extreme. And it's like, but he's talking about, like, internet creepypasta. And I love that. He's got this extremely long series. I hadn't even heard of this before, and I have started watching it because of him. There's this web series called Petscop. Hmm. It's great. It's so great. It's like a web series creepypasta. Um, you know, the classic, you know, Ben Drowned, haunted Pokemon cartridge type of creepypasta where it's like, oh, this is a video game that's haunted. Except it's framed as a real let's play of a weird mm. video game. And it is so understated. And it, like, it's... It's a really, like... He's got, like, a close-reading breakdown of every single episode of Petscop. And it's like, I was enjoying Petscop, and then watching his analysis of it, I'm like, there is so much to this, and I believe it. Like, he'll bring up a point where I'm like, really? Do you really think that's what's... Oh, no, that is probably what it's being referenced. This is actually that smart. So, it's, it's just a great web series this guy is extremely good at critical analysis uh so go check out nightmare and, and, and we like we like to be critical analysis but we're a little light and fast with critical analysis we're not sometimes the most diligent scholars we definitely use it as a guise more often than we actually practice it. yeah so but i find this guy's work extremely inspiring and maybe it'll you know make me up my game a little bit because he's great he's great so, if you, especially if you like spooky stuff like I do, smart, smart stuff. And I think I talked over, you can just repeat what it's called again. A Nightmare Masterclass. Wonderful. It's good stuff. Also, check out Petscop, because that's some creepy goodness. I liked it a lot. Also, I have another recommendation, totally yeah. out of the blue. I don't know how Petscop reminded me of it, because it has nothing... I think maybe just a web series might remind me. Um, I just... I'm going to do a rewatch of the web series, The Outs, oh. because I remember every time I was sad, it made me sadder and I loved it. So I'm going to do that and you should all watch it. Yes. And we did a whole episode about we The Outs. We did? Remember when we so talked about queer ago. web series. Oh, we did. Well, go listen to that episode and then go watch The Outs. And I'm going to watch it and cry because I got dumped 
fairly recently, and I can't believe I didn't run to it. <laughs> it's a it's a good source for that. Yeah, we talked about the outs and the fields. That's right. In one episode. That's right. Yeah, but that was that was a long time ago. That was so long ago. <laughs> this is hello. This is a literary merit 2.0. And you, I got to tell you something. It's serendipity, my friend. This is episode fifty. <gasps> cool. <laughs> it's yeah. It's great. No, I think it's fifty, and it's a new day for literary merit uh it's gonna it's gonna be great friends it's already great it's already great we're already amazing (laughs) just look at us succeeding (laughs) we're so good yeah all right well you need to stop using your throat so we should wrap this up okay that does it for today's episode thanks for listening you can find us on apple podcasts spotify stitcher google podcasts anchor.fm and elsewhere please review and subscribe so more nerds can find us we appreciate it and it really does make a difference and check us out on twitter <laughs> at lit merit pod uh, we post updates like the fact that this, today's episode was postponed because we just moved mm-hmm. um, and also like ask us questions about your favorite like teenage movie even if it's like Right, know, what's Greece? your YA stuff? Like Grease. Like sure. why not? Oh my gosh, I love Grease. That's I've been watching Grease since I was like four years old. I was singing uh the final song in the movie at work the other day. <laughs> Good one. Um, yeah. And thanks to Jonathan Colton for the use of our theme song Fraud from his album Artificial Heart. Until next time, remember. No, no guilty, guilty pleasures. pleasures. Oh, I can't screw you over by making weird <laughs> things anymore. Oh my goodness, it's the end of an era. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>